He is so good. He's so kind. He's so merciful. He's worthy. Yes, he is. Thank you, Lord God. Praise the Lord God. Isn't he good? I'm just reminded of his goodness today. And he's always good, but I love the, the times where I just, you know, we don't, we don't live by feelings, right? Because your feelings can lie to you. Sometimes you're tired. We fasted this week. Sometimes you're hungry. And uh, so you don't want to judge your feelings all the time. Sometimes you could think based on feelings that God has abandoned you. He has not. But I also love those times when my feelings line up with the truth, right? Who loves those moments? Those are the mountaintop moments, right? We go in the valley sometimes, but I love the mountaintop moments where my feelings and the truth, they line up. And uh, you actually have to savor that time. You have to take that with you back down into the valley. You got to take those truths down into the low times that he was with you. Amen. And so I just want to preach um, a simple sermon. It doesn't mean I don't have a lot written here, but it's a, a simple concept that we know as believers, but I really felt compelled. I asked the Lord what to speak on, and I always do. Sometimes it doesn't come in words. Sometimes I ask him, and it just has to unravel. And other times I feel a very direct leading of this is the character I want you to speak on, or this is what I want you to say. Other times I begin to just kind of go into his word, and it unravels in a, in a mystery, and he kind of brings it out and confirms it. The, a week later, I, didn't, I just did, was faithful to preach it. Um, but this time I believe he said some things very directly, and so I'm just going to be faithful to that. And I'm going to start with this. Uh, I said to Dawn this week, this line, and I didn't realize I was prophesying uh, that what the Lord was going to bring this week, but I said to Dawn, I said, I don't know what to do when I don't know what to do. Anybody ever said that? You ready? I don't know what to do when I don't know what to do. Right? And uh, I was thinking, sometimes we get into these moments of limbo. That's what I call them. Don and I, both our personalities, we don't like limbo. And um, I like to be free. I'm, I'm kind of a free person, but I also appreciate plans and planning because they give you some safety and security and some structure, and it just makes things go smoother. As a contractor, especially, uh, you can't just... You can't just wing it. It doesn't work like that. So I've learned to appreciate some structure. And when that gets out of whack, I get into this place called limbo. And that's where maybe I woke up that morning and I'm like, I don't know what to do today. But you want to capture the day. You want to make the best of it and make the most of it, right? We all have so little time. It's so precious, especially with pressures kind of weighing down on you for tomorrow. And so I get into this place and... Um, this limbo place is at a crossroads of decisions, and uh, it's when nothing makes complete sense. Right? I could maybe do this. I could maybe do that. I could run around and try to make things work this way, and I could try to do this and whatever. And you don't feel true clarity in any one direction who's ever been there. Like, you're not quite sure, and you're kind of asking the Lord for some wisdom, and it's not quite coming yet. But you have to make some decisions because you feel like the time is is ticking by. And so I get into those places sometimes, and what you have to do is just relax and trust the Lord anyway, right? Amen? That's, that's the testimony right off the bat. Let's just get this out in the open, right? That's when you just trust God anyway. Now, I felt like this. When it's minor things like, should I go out to eat or should I eat at home? Or that might be a limbo decision. It doesn't matter too much. Maybe it'll matter, but it's not quite... Um, some sort of like earth, you know, shaking big giant deal. But I felt this. Sometimes it is a big deal. I want you to say this out loud. Sometimes it is a big deal, right? So we come to crossroads of decisions and blockades, and it feels like at any choice I make, any direction I point myself in is not going to be an easy way out. No matter what I do, I could try to do this, I could try to do that, but I'm going to have to just trust God. Amen. And the Bible says this, in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, All glory to God who is able. Come on, he is able 
through his mighty power, right? We know this verse. I'm reading it from the NLT. You know it in your translation. It's the same thing. There is a mighty power within him, and God is able, and it says uh, he's at work within us, and he is able to what? To accomplish infinitely more than you may know it as imagine. This NLT says that we might ask or think. Who loves that verse? Because you know what it says? It says when we're asking God to do something for his help in our situation, in our life, the Bible says that he has infinitely more power to accomplish what we're asking him than we even realize. But it actually says something even deeper, and I love this truth. It says, then we even imagine or think. That means that God's power was already at work before you even asked him. Because if it was something that you could think or imagine, it hasn't even entered the asking phase yet, and the Bible is confirming to us that God's already got tremendous, infinite power at work in us for what we don't even know we need to ask him for yet. Amen. Who's excited by that? That excites me. Now, this is why... I said it's so simple. I'm going to get into a character in a moment. I'll reveal his name in a moment. One of my favorites in the Bible, just like Jeannie. i got a favorite every week. But I want to say this. It's the simplest truth, and yet it is so profound. You ready for this? Jesus is the only way. It's so simple. We might as well just bring the children back in here, and let's just have children's church. That's the gospel. Jesus is the only... I want to say it out loud together. Ready? Because it's so powerful. Your spirit knows it. Sometimes our minds and our souls need to be reminded, right? Jesus is the only way. See, the devil immediately comes in with but. Yeah, Jesus is the way. I know that, right? Because the devil's like, I can't convince you you're not going to go to heaven. I can't, con I can't convince you. You're too mature of a believer to convince you that... Your reward is in heaven, that your salvation's in him. So you know what he does? He comes in with a sideline temptation, and he says, yeah, Jesus is the only way, but this is different. This situation is a little more, it's earthly, it's complicated. It's not just something Jesus is, you can't just pray this away. There's going to be some action required. And yes, there may be some truth in that. You may have to apply some action to your prayers, but nonetheless, don't let the enemy rob from you the simplest yet most profound truth that we have is that Jesus is the only way. Which means, no matter what I do from this moment forward, I must trust in him even if I start making decisions, even the wrong decisions. You need to trust God in such a way. I'm getting too excited too fast. Everybody all right? But we need to trust him in such a way that even if I make the wrong decision, I need to grab a hold of this power that I might be even not quite where he wants me to be, but I'm because my eyes are on him, because I know it's Jesus, and because I know there is nothing else and no one else. Sometimes I've said to the Lord, well, I don't know if I made the right decision, Lord, but I'm in it now. Right? We've been there. We've all been there. But you know what you do then? I don't say, well, it's just going to be a week of hell or two weeks of hell or the next two years is going to be hell because I made a wrong decision. That would be ridiculous. Or, what kind of believers are we? I'm not saying there might not be some earthly consequences, but I say, Lord, my intention was to trust you all along, and that's still my intention today. So I'm not quite sure where I'm at right now. But I know this, I know you're still Lord, and I know you're the only way out. Whether I put myself into a situation, whether the world put me into a situation, right? Whether it was out of my control, or whether this is part of your plan, you're always the answer. Amen. It's so simple, and yet it's so incredible. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Last night before I went to bed, I wrote down that scripture, but I wrote it that way. The way, the truth, and the life has three distinct points. And then this morning, I wake up, pulled open our Bible app, and if you're reading along with us, it's right there, sandwiched in 13, 14, and 15 for our Bible plan today. 14, verse 6, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me.
Wow. I was just amazed. I said, okay, Lord. You know, again, I could take his word. We could come in on a Sunday morning. We could flip open that book, and we could just start anywhere, and there's life in it. Who believes that? Because God is life. God is his word. But I love, I love, love, love as a preacher, and you, I'm sure you love the same way when you, you feel like the Lord's speaking some things, and then it's in your Bible plan. Someone says it. You speak something to somebody, right? God's speaking something to you. You find it in the Word, and then you have to talk to somebody about something, and then, bam, it comes out of you, and you don't even realize it was for them. And it's so encouraging. I'm encouraged. These three distinct points about Jesus that define him, they all point to the fact that he is all and he is everything. They're different. And it's worth taking some time to breaking them down. I'm going to break down some of it today, not all of it. That's impossible. If you're trying to understand Jesus, that would be an impossible thing in an earthly way. We understand as best we can, but the Bible says that we're viewing him, we're understanding him through, you know, earthly lenses, right? One day I'm going to see him in all his fullness and all his glory, but my entire life is just an unraveling, right? There's more and more and more and more, and I'll never get to that place where I fully, fully understand in this side. It's going to be 100% unraveled on the other side. And actually, that's a point worth making. You know, they missed Jesus when he came because they thought they understood it all. The moment we think we understand everything is the moment really where the devil can slip in and take control. And I even thought about this recently, and I was talking to Dawn about this. You know, even scriptures that say it's so factual. I mean, they say th they, they would prophesy things as if this is fact. There's not really room for interpretation. One of the scriptures was that Elijah must come before Jesus did. It leaves no room for any other interpretation except Elijah. And yet, they're arguing with Jesus. Jesus, you know, Elijah's supposed to come first, and Jesus says, he did, and you killed him. John the Baptist, he says, John had the spirit of Elijah. And, you know, I just didn't know, I just wanted to make, I'm not going to preach on that, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole, but I just want us to, to realize something. They missed Jesus because they thought that they understood the scriptures in such a way that they didn't need to keep asking the Lord for more revelation to really understand them in their time. We can think we understand God, we can think we understand his word, and then we come into a new situation, and then suddenly we're like, well, that doesn't apply. That doesn't make sense. We need to keep looking to him, looking to his word in the present situation, because it might be not quite what we fully understand. And what that does is it creates healthy Christianity. I know that it's so simple saying, well, Jesus is all. He's everything. I just need to keep my eyes on him. How do you do that? And I believe that that's how, just what I've described, is that I take his word and I look at it as a, uh, an ever-opening, um, ever-revelatory book. It's not just words on a page, but it is a constant, new, and fresh revelation. Amen. We got that. I just felt like it was worth noting. I don't want to keep going down that rabbit trail, but they missed him, and I believe that what I'm trying to imply in that is that Jesus is going to come again. And I think a lot of the things that we think are so, you know, it's got to be this, it's got to be that, it's got to be this to the day, to the moment. Some things are going to unravel in a slightly different way than we expected. And we, it, what it means is it doesn't mean that we're not going to be taken with him or going to be left behind, but it means we must keep our eyes on him. We can't take a break. We can't relax. We can't lean on yesterday's revelation and yesterday's truth. That's what I'm trying to get to. So maybe that point makes more sense now. Amen. All right, so for the sake of time, I want to get right into this next. I want to move that right into this. This is what I believe that the Lord's told me to speak on. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. 2 Chronicles 20. And this is one of my favorite characters, Jehoshaphat. And he's so amazing because uh, I'm getting ahead of myself, but I can't help it. Many of the kings, when you read through the Old Testament, they faced an invading army, right? Almost all of them faced some form of invading force against them. Every single one of them really faced it uh, to what extent was different in each of their lives. 
But you'll find that as you go through the kings and you go through the enemies that come, many of them would actually try to do natural human earthly things first. Who has noted that? They'll try to pay off the enemy first. They'll try to bargain with the enemy first, try to do something in the natural. Now, um, at one point, right, I believe it's Hezekiah, who I also love that he sought the Lord, but he stripped off all the gold, right, Dan? I'm correct, right? Hezekiah did. He stripped all the gold off, and they ended up having to replace all the shields and all the stuff with bronze, but he stripped off all the gold to pay off the enemy, who then came back later. So they lost their gold and still had to deal with the enemy anyway. And here's the point. You might buy some time doing an earthly solution to a spiritual problem, but you are not going to solve it until we bring in a spiritual solution to a spiritual problem. I'm going to say that again. That's a lot to say. You might buy some time. I'm going to say it fast right? Doing an earthly solution to a spiritual problem, but it will never solve it completely till we bring the spiritual solution in for a spiritual problem. We have a spiritual enemy. We don't have an earthly enemy. Your husband, your wife, right? Your coworker, your friend, whoever, or, or a nation, we're not really warring, right? Against flesh and blood. We are warring in the spirit, which means we must rely on the Holy Spirit. We must rely on him, that's what the word says, we have spiritual weapons for a spiritual battle. Amen. So we get into 2 Chronicles chapter 20 here. And Jehoshaphat, just to give you a little bit of background, in chapter 19, he's going around the nation doing very spiritual things. He's setting up all these ways to worship God and make sure things were in order. I love that about him. He believed that God had given him the job ordained by God. He, he, he trusted God that this, this person, this role as a king is not just a king, but that he worked for God and that it was his responsibility to lead the people towards God. So they're doing all these very spiritual, getting things in order, worship types of things, right, with the Levites and we need to do this here and let's set up this way and all. And you can read it on your own time, chapter 19. Very systematic, and then suddenly, chapter 20, you would think after you serve the Lord, you trust the Lord, you're doing everything right, right? The Lord's just going to make a yellow brick road all the way to paradise. And chapter 20 comes and it says, The armies of the Moabites, Ammonites, and Munites declared war on Jehoshaphat. Wow. The misconception is that when you run into an obstacle or a tough time, is that you missed it. I believe, I mean... I've only been on this earth just about 40 years, so maybe when I'm 80, I'll revise it. But at this point in my life, I would say that if you've hit an obstacle, you're doing something right, not something wrong. And Jesus told us, he said, if everyone loves you, I'm going to say it in 2022 language. If everybody loves you and everybody's your friend and you're pleasing everybody, I'm using Paul and Jesus, you might not quite be preaching the true gospel or the whole gospel or serving me. Paul said, it's not my goal, right? If it was pleasing people, then I wouldn't be pleasing God. So that means that if I'm not pleasing people, I'm pleasing God, there might be some, some frustration, there might be some obstacles, there's just kind of going to be some stuff in the way at times, and we must learn not to get frustrated, not to get down, but to embrace it, and not to then always be in it, right? But, and, and you're not, you know, the people that, uh, that think that they're always suffering and always in a hard time, they actually are missing a, an incredible, there's an incredible gap in between the tough times that they're missing. <laughs> because if you really break it down, you're like, it's always tough for me. No, it's not. You went through a tough time and you had this amazing time of nothing, but you just wasted it. And then it was tough again. But that time, it should have been just praising him and worshiping and loving him on mountaintops so that when it happened again, and then you're down in this low spot again, you're like, well, I'm ready for this. But what happens is if you, if you just get lazy during that time, I was talking last week, it's easy to do. And then you get into another low time. All it feels like is low time to low time to low time. And it's just not reality. It's actually not true. It's a lie from the enemy. But we must be aware of this, that sometimes the enemy comes and declares war on you. 
But I love what happens here, and I believe you do too. Verse 2, messengers came and they told Jehoshaphat, a vast army from Edom is marching against you and from beyond the Dead Sea, and they're already close. They're close. They're already, they're not far. So verse 3 says Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news. Now, when the Bible says, um, do not have fear, don't be afraid, lots of different verses about not having fear, we would all be afraid right now. Come on, would all of us be afraid? It's not that you're not afraid. When the Bible says don't have fear, you can't help fear. Fear is faster than your mental decision to not have fear, right? In fact, God pre-designed something into your DNA called fight or flight. And it's so that your body reacts faster than your mind. Your body, and this is why it's dangerous to live in a stressful state, why the devil wants people in anxiety and stress, because your body actually releases chemicals. That's called, why it's called fight or flight. You either need to stand and fight, or I need to run. That's what that means. And you need to do it, like if a snake is coming towards you, like that YouTube video, we don't know if it's real or not. There's a king cobra coming up out of the water, and it comes towards this lady having a picnic. And she grabs it by the neck. But her reaction time was faster than her. You know, she didn't have enough time. I don't know if it's fake, but it's cool to watch. I mean, I don't know if you want to watch it. <laughs> there's, there's something inside you that's even quicker than your mind. So it's not fear that God is judging you for. It's what you do with it. Amen. We would all be afraid when we hear this type of news. You need to take fear, and I don't want to use like a new age word, but let's just steal it back from them because they stole it from us and use the word channel. You need to channel that energy, right? The new age would be like, oh my gosh, you hear what he just said? Channel your energy. This guy's like, man, no wonder they're the no-name church. They don't over there, new age church over there. But they stole that from us. We need to take that fear and we need to use it like fuel. In fact, in the Navy SEALs, they say, because it makes them angry. They actually, the reason they're yelling at them and being so abusive is to make them angry on purpose. They actually want them to get angry. But then they'll tell them, now, I want you to channel that anger into doing one more rep, one more time, one more lap. I want you to take that energy. It actually causes chemical, mental, physical, spiritual reactions and you can take it and use it as fuel. And, and we as Christians, we don't stay in fear. I want you to say that out loud. We don't stay in fear. But we can't help having fear. It's just, a, it's just another lie from the enemy to beat you up. It's like when he tricks you into sinning and then condemns you for doing it. He's the one really inspiring the fear, right? And then he'll condemn you for having it. What we need to do is, the moment that we are afraid, is to do what we're about to read that Jehoshaphat does. Is that I take it now, and, it, and, I, and I'm going to give it to the Lord. Amen. And this is what it says. It says, when he was terrified by the news, he begged the Lord for guidance. You can do your own study, but this is not what most of the kings did. I love Hezekiah. Who loves Hezekiah? He's like another one of my favorites. I was torn even just bringing in his, because he's got an amazing testimony. He brings it in before the Lord, right? He spreads it all out before the Lord. I was going to bring some of that in today, but for time it didn't work. But, you know, firstly, he, he reacted humanly. And Jehoshaphat doesn't. It doesn't even give us a second verse. It's within the same verse, and I believe the Lord did that on purpose. Now, God didn't put numbers on these verses. Man did, but God was over them, wasn't he? God doesn't even let them write a second verse. It could have been 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 3, as Jehoshaphat was terrified by the news. Right? None of us would judge him. And then verse 4 could be this, that he begged the Lord for guidance. We'd all be like, amen, I love verse 4. 
God's like, I don't even want you to have another verse because Jehoshaphat was so quick to react that I wanted to be the same exact verse, that the moment the news came in, the moment you see something, you hear something, there's a storm on the horizon, you get the bad news. I mean, the doctor says this, you know, someone says this, there's something happening, right? Government, political, nations, right? Russia, Ukraine, whatever, all this stuff going on. The moment that you hear it, Lord, what's your answer for me? Does that mean the answer is going to come immediately? Who has found the answer doesn't come for a while sometimes. But my first reaction is, Lord, I need your help. And uh, this is not quite the point of the sermon, but I'm going to say this. I live by this. I ask the Lord for help, and then if I backtrack a little bit, I ask him again. And I might backtrack into my own fears and my own mind, and I ask him again. I don't stop asking him until I see the answer I was believing for. Now, he might bring a whole different answer, and then I'm okay with that because his answer was better than mine anyway. But my point is that until he brings his answer, I just keep thanking him, keep praising him, and keep asking. Amen. That's good Christianity. That's a healthy Christian before the Lord. It says he begged the Lord for guidance. He also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting, just like we did this week. And I believe that it was the Lord um, for what we did this week for Yom Kippur, that it wasn't quite a celebration of Yom Kippur fully, right? It was more like, Lord, we're here in 2022, and we are reflecting on our own issues internally and as a nation. God, we need an answer, just like they used to seek you and search you out and say, Lord, it's a new year, it's a new time, and we're trusting you, it's going to be you, and it's going to be only you. I believe we just did the same thing. So they seek the Lord, and... I want to say this. You've heard me say this many times. Google is not your first place to find your answers. <laughs> it's only relevant today, isn't it? But who does that? <laughs> Dawn's laughing. I got a rash in my leg. My friend said something bad to me. All right, Google's going to give you some answers. You know, I actually have a personal opinion, ready, just, just for fun. And when, I when it's not the Holy Spirit, I always tell you. So it's pers personal, but I actually have a theory on this. Now, let me just first say, God uses all things, doesn't he? He can turn and use all things. I don't believe that Internet and TV was ordained by God. And I think that at their heart, they're both evil. But God has used them tremendously, right? He spread the gospel into nations all over the entire world through them. Amen? He really has. At the same time, there's really more evil, though, on television, right? I mean, we've got about 1%. If you think about it, come on. Just, just because God's using it doesn't mean that it's God. Because 99.99% of it is completely disgusting and dark and evil, both the Internet and television. Yet... You can find that 1% because God's faithful. God uses everything. God went into to hookers, right? He went into their situation, into their circles, right? He went into the mafia situation, right? We, looked at, we just talked about this last week or the week before, right? With the, right? And, and even Rahab, Lord had mercy on her, and he's over in Babylon, and he's having mercy, even trying to give mercy to Egypt. They don't realize he was giving them mercy, but giving them a chance, and so on. God will work with anyone and loves everyone. Well, it does not mean that their systems and that their ideas, you know, just because God's trying to save them doesn't mean that that church is really a good church. Just because the Lord saves people in those churches. Amen. You guys get what I'm saying. So I actually have a theory that because the devil is not all-knowing, the Holy Spirit knows all of us all at once. Isn't, do you ever got, stop and think how you can pray and you believe that the Lord is listening to every single beat in your prayers? That he numbers the hairs on your head? And that when I'm praying, I, I hope that God's not hearing every, every tenth word, like listening to a lot of conversations at once. You ever listen to a conversation behind you, in front of you at the same time? You're only getting a piece of both. And isn't it amazing that God can hear all of us with every single cry, every beat of our heart, and we believe that he is, and we hope that he is, amen. The hope is secure. 
that he's listening to every single thing we're saying, but he's doing it to billions of people on the entire earth all at once? Well, the devil doesn't have that power. He's not omnipresent. But, uh, and he has lots of devils, but they, don't, they can't be with everybody everywhere all the time. So, it's very simple. Designed a system where everybody just tells the devil everything they think all the time. And in fact, as a trade-off, I'll give you unlimited information. Sounds a lot like what he did with Adam and Eve. He said, listen, God doesn't want you to know everything. All you have to do is you take a bite of my fruit. You know, that's what Apple designed it for, right? No, that's real. That's not conspiracy. That's why, that's what the symbol literally, isn't this crazy that we like live in this world, it's so blatant and so right in front of us that it was knowledge, unlimited knowledge. And literally, even though the chips are not in our brains yet, I can tell you anything about anything in less than one second. You can ask me something about history. You can even ask me where the stars will be in a million years from now. And I can tell you because they've all, the science and technology have already joined together and it's already there. I can just Google it. Where's the, what's the exact degree of the earth and the moon and whatever in a million years from now? Brr, done. And so I have a theory that the devil actually designed it so that he could be like the Holy Spirit, be all-knowing. He's a, just a copycat. He's a mimic. So he's made his way into everybody's heart, into everybody's home. He's already there in your house. And he listens to everything you say all the time. We put Alexis even in our bedrooms. That's crazy. I got rid of ours. I don't want that in my bedroom. The one thing in my kitchen. And don't think they're not listening to you because they're always talking to you and I'm not asking. I finally turned it off on my watch. It's always listening. I'm like, I'm not talking to you. But they were listening. And so the point is this. That's not your first place to go to. When you really look at what is behind it, you get what I'm trying to say? It wasn't, that wasn't just a tangent, a rabbit trail. What I'm trying to say is, if you really look at the heart of what that is, even though there's useful information and God uses it, there's much more evil in that direction than there is good, which means... We have to look at things at their heart and core. It's the same thing, you're ready, you might get offended me for this, when you call a friend first during a time of trouble, even a good believing friend, without first saying, Lord, what do you, what do you say? What is your, because I would rather have my friend confirm what God said than have God confirm what a friend said. Sometimes you can't help it, but do you understand what I'm trying to say? that he is our first response, and that's what I thought was so powerful, the Lord really wanted us to get today, is that he is our first response. It sounds so simple, and yet, it's so, we, as I'm making real-life examples, we can see how he's not always the first response. And especially then things like a therapist or something like that, God can use all those things, and he can use, there's good counsel with friends and therapists, and even Google could have things on there, right? But it, that's not the first response. The first response is, oh God, I need you. And so the Bible says that, so all the people, verse 4, from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. That's our first response. They gathered together. Jehoshaphat stood before the community of Judah and Jerusalem and in front of the new courtyard at the temple of the Lord, and they all saw God together. Wow. That's the response. That's what this nation needs right now. Who believes that there are some political problems in our nation right this moment? I do. I know it. But it's a spiritual solution. Now, I don't like when people just blanketly say it's a spiritual solution. You can't bring a political answer to a spiritual problem. And right, right, I'm going to get all craziness now here. We need to do both, okay? If you're just going to pray and nobody ever voted, guess who's going to get elected? It's not rocket science, right? It's very simple. So you do the natural thing, but I've done the prayer first, right? I hope that you're praying not after November 8th. You pray on November 7th, then you vote November 8th. You get what I'm trying to say. It's still God. Amen. And nonetheless, there are some things going on that we must then put response to. I just want to be clear. It's not just prayer because... If you are part of that voting community, so this is not a political sermon, but it is something to consider this next month. I do believe that the Lord has put it on my heart 
that things can turn. It doesn't mean they will. Now, I want to be clear. It's not a lack of faith. I just mean that if we're on a path that God has designated us to be, we're going to pray and believe no matter what. Amen. If they don't turn, what do you do? It's not a trick question. Just keep praying and keep believing, keep trusting God no matter what. Amen. But I'm going to keep praying for this next month. I believe the Lord put it in my heart. There was a particular person, I'm not going to mention, you can figure it out, who was actually removed from office, like just crazy. I couldn't believe it. And the Lord had put it on my heart. I'm not saying the, I'm the only one. Many of us were praying, and many, even around the country, praying for the state, had prayed. The Lord told me to go and start praying against his false prophecies, his false words, things like, God didn't do this, I did. And the Lord told me to deal with it in prayer. And I went down to my stream during lockdowns, and I would just pray. And that was it. And then the day of his removal, the Lord said, I want you to remember that. I remember, I was like, huh, that's interesting. And I was like, well, that would be crazy. That's what I said. I actually said to the Lord that if he were to be removed, that would be crazy. Because there was some talk about it. I was like, it's not going to happen. And then when it happened, I was like, oh, my gosh. Not that it happened, but that fact that I was so irreverent to, towards the Lord, I didn't realize, I didn't think I was being, but I was like, wow, the Lord was actually saying that these prayers are actually coming into fruition today. And I said then, we kind of came out of the fire and into the frying pan, which is true, because we are still in this world. But nonetheless, I'm going to keep praying, and the Lord encouraged me to pray in the same way. That gives me some incredible faith, actually, because he said, I want you to pray like you did then. Which tells me, well, if I prayed that way and you brought this result, I hope that you mean what I think you mean. Amen. So the Bible says in verse 6 that he prayed, O Lord God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven, and you're the ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. I love, this is how I pray too, and I, I believe that you probably pray the same way. The first things I do in prayer, right, Dan? I just tell God how big he is and how good he is. The Lord loves being reminded how big he is. Right. He's not egotistical. That's, the, that's, an earthly, that's an earthly spirit. But God's ego is not boosted. Right? It doesn't work like that. It's not, there is no ego in it. It's just he's God. I mean, he's, he's so big that I could never praise him enough. Amen. So I just do the same thing. I just remind him of how big he is. He says, you are powerful and mighty, and no one can stand against you. The second thing that's really good about doing this in your prayers is it's actually telling your mind what your spirit knows, what I did just a little bit ago. Your spirit knows it. Your spirit is linked with him instantly and forever. It's this mind that we have to drag along for the rest of our earthly time here. Isn't that true? Who gets annoyed by this mind? Whoever says to your own mind, will you just shut up? I do it all the time. It's not, you're not schizophrenic. It's not two of you. It's just that I don't even think what you're trying to think. That's not me. I, I don't even want to think like that. So just shut up, Adam. Right? So I just do the same thing. This is what happens. I just pray, Lord. And then you know what happens? It's like, it's right. Wait a second. No one can stand against God. I forgot that. You don't mean to forget, but... The world, the weights, the enemy's lies, that, that pounding, right, that voice that sounds like yours, just the enemy's enemy speaking into you over and over and over again. I mean, if he could get Adam and Eve to eat the fruit after they walked with God, we're talking first generation, no other influence, you think he's not trying with you? I need to tell those voices to shut up. And you know what? You do it. You don't just say, shut up. That doesn't work. You say, the Lord is great. He's mighty. He's powerful. Nothing's going to stand against him. The Bible even says that we don't even rebuke Satan ourselves. It says, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. When you're doing it, it's actually not even you. It's the Spirit of God within you that's rebuking him. It's not you. Amen? It's the Spirit of the Lord that he's put inside you. That's where the power and the authority comes from. And so just putting God in the place that he needs to be our God, he, and then we remind, then we remember. So after I've praised him and I've put him in this place, then I just start re refreshing all the things that he's done before. And you can read this on your own time, but he goes through verse 7, just reminding him, you've been a friend to us, God, and you are a friend to Abraham. And he says, you settled us here and you put this temple here and you told us we could pray at this temple, verse 9. And so he says, and here we are. We're praying here and look at what my enemy is doing. Look Verse 10, this is what I do with the Lord as well. You pray as if the Lord can't see. Of course he can see. We'll just bring, it, bring the situation before him. Lord, 
And I, I said this to Dawn, I said, you know, our freedoms in this nation are being infringed on. And she said, it's sad that we don't pray until they are, because really they happened much before that. It was on other people's freedoms. But it's true, and nonetheless, here we are, and I'm a very aware of it. And I said, Lord, my freedoms are being infringed on in many ways now. They're actually touching my life. It was, you know, you try to just let it go. You try to just keep your head down in some ways. You try to just trust God and be a believer in a heathen land. And then it starts infringing on those things. And then we say, okay, enough's enough. Lord, look at what's happening. Whatever your personal situation is, Lord, look at this doctor's report. Look at this bill. And you bring those things before the Lord. And this is what you say. There is no lack of faith. There is no lack of power in you because it's not your power. It's him anyway. But you say, verse 12, God, won't you stop them? Because I can't. Lord, you're going to have to turn the situation around because nothing in the natural can. We are powerless against this mighty army. Just acknowledge it. You're not giving any strength to the enemy. Don't worry about, don't worry about that. Just acknowledge that it's going to be God or not. It's him or it's nothing. There is no strength in you that he did not give you. Come to the place where you just say, Lord, we are powerless. I've said before, but humility, I don't think God has a kryptonite, but if God did have a kryptonite, it would be humility. It's the soft spot in God. It's the, you can move God so quickly with humility, right? What's our Bible say? More than once. He lifts up the humble, right? Humble yourself before the Lord. He lifts you up. I brought it up many times, but Ahab was an awful individual. He humbles himself, and the Lord's like, look at my servant Ahab. Humility is so powerful, it does two things at once. It actually gets your heart right and, and then aligns it with God's heart. But second thing is it puts the enemy in his place. He is powerless against you when you get into that place of humility. See, the thing is thinking that we do have the power and we do have the strength and storming against the enemy at our own strength. You may not think you are, realize you are, but you do that and, and you are asking for trouble. But we come back to the Lord and we say, Lord, here's the situation. Here's what needs to be done. I think in my own strength, in my own way, but I'm powerless, right? I can't do it. I can't Here's, here's my solutions, right? Because we all do that in our prayers. And then we say, Lord, but what do I know? I don't have the answer. I don't have the solution. You have the solution. You're going to have to help us. And he says in verse 12, and this is why I didn't realize, I gave you a preview at the beginning of the sermon to why I didn't realize was prophesying to be what the sermon would be. I said to Dawn, I don't know what to do when I don't know what to do. Well, so did Jehoshaphat. He says in verse 12, he says, we don't know what to do but he's got another little clever rhyme here unintentional don't you love when the bible rhymes dan loves that dan loves the rhymes and it's not it was just you know coincidentally translated into a rhyme in the english language but god's not a coincidental god is he right we don't know what to do but we're looking to you amen i don't know what to do and i don't want to do but i'm looking to you there you go there's my rhyme joined together with the scripture. I don't know what to do when I don't know what to do, but I'm going to look to you because you do. You know what to do, Lord. And so the Bible says, actually, there's a commentary I read that it says that there were five things that he did, and I already went over them, but just very quickly, he committed the situation to God. He sought God's favor because they were God, they acknowledged they were God's people. He acknowledged God's sovereignty over the situation. He praised God and took comfort in his promises. And then he professed complete dependence on God, not himself, for deliverance. And by doing these things, actually something unlocked. Come on, who says? Well, I just want you to say this. Something unlocks. Who wants a word from the Lord? Who cleaves to the, a word from the Lord, a fresh word from the Lord? Now, we don't run around looking for a prophet just to give us a word, but I love when I've sought the Lord and a word comes. You need to grab a hold of that. When you have sought God and you have humbled your heart and your heart is right and there is a word that lines up with his written word, 
you better grab a hold of that and believe it alongside of his word. I'm not telling you to rewrite the word. We need new word, and his word's not good enough. I'm just saying when God says something like, believe me, I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to heal you in this situation. You need to take that word, and you need to join it together with the power of the word. Jesus is the word. Come on, let's say this. I said at the beginning of the sermon, he's the way, the truth, and the life, right? That's the truth. He is the truth. There are many facts. I got this from Dan. I stole this, I, this concept from Dan years ago, and I, I've joined it in my own belief system. The devil reminds you of facts, right? The doctors remind you of facts, right? Your bills remind you of facts, right? Your mortgage that comes every month reminds you of facts, but my word reminds me of truth, and truth always is over facts. Here's the fact, yes, but here's the truth. The fact is there's an enemy coming against us that I don't have the strength to stop. But the truth is that I serve a God that's greater. Amen. And so the Bible says a word came. I'm just going to try to wrap this up here because we're running out of time. I don't know how. Every week, maybe you guys feels more like time to you, but for, it's a weird thing. I wish you could experience what it's like up here because there is no time. It just goes. But anyway, it says that the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, verse 14, and he said, verse 15, listen, this is what the Lord says, do not be afraid, don't be discouraged. In fact, I want you to take this word, because I believe that this word is from the Lord for this time. I'm not saying you won't face hard times. I'm not saying there won't be dark times in this nation still. But I do believe firmly that God's grace will be over his people. There is a people, we've been saying it, that are going to need to get under the blood, come into the house, and put the blood on your doorposts. But no matter what comes... No matter what darkness comes, what death angel comes, right? Those things that came against Egypt, you're going to need to get inside and know that God is for you. He's not against you. Amen. It says, it says uh, don't be discouraged by this army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. And that's the revelation we need to come to. In every single situation you're in, you need to come to the revelation, this is not your battle. The devil wants to get you battling in your own strength. This is what I've been emphasizing, because your strength has a, an ending point. I've said before, I'll say it again. I don't know what your straw is, but everybody has a straw that breaks the camel's back. Every single one of us has a breaking point, and some have longer than others. This is not a pride thing or to be praised over another because it doesn't matter how great your strength is. Every single person will finally break in their own strength. Everybody has a hissy fit. I don't care who you are. Eventually, you may be so strong and so calm and so collected, everybody breaks down and acts like a little child. Eventually. And the reality is, that's fine. Do it. You know what? Get it over. It would be better that you didn't, but just give it to the Lord and say, I've realized it now. This battle's not mine. This is the Lord's battle. And he says, tomorrow, march out against them. He says, verse 16, but verse 17, but you will not even need to fight. Take your position. Stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you. Come on, who's being encouraged right now? This is a direct word from the Lord to you for now. Don't uh, run around. Don't try to struggle with flesh and blood. Don't try to figure it all out. Just stand and, and still and watch the Lord's victory. And the Bible says something incredible, which we can get more into if the Lord wills for next week. But I'll say this. Lastly, something supernatural happened. And this is what I started to say, a supernatural solution to a supernatural problem. They do something totally insane, totally crazy when it comes to battle. Imagine our U.S. military went out and stood against the enemy, and they go, and everybody's got their guns pointed to them, and they go, hold on one second, we're just going to sing a worship song right now. Imagine how crazy that is. You realize this is a spiritual thing, and we need to realize this. God is a supernatural God, amen. Sometimes we get so natural about such a supernatural God, and we try to work it all out and figure it all out. Now, eventually it gets from the supernatural into the natural, it always ends up unraveling naturally. Amen. Somehow it's going to make it into your realm, but let's not, under, uh, uh, let's not take away God's glory, firstly, that he is a supernatural God. And this is what it is. It says they bowed low to the ground. 
they all come and they start worshiping the Lord. And this is so amazing because it says, verse 22. And this is funny. You ready for this? Ready just for a funny thing? What's that say? What's that say? I was like, whoa. I scrolled down. I was like, oh, what's 22 going to be? Because the Lord's been doing something kind of supernatural. I keep seeing things with 22s, and that's another thing. But I said, 2022. What's the answer for 2022? I was like, wow. Two, 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 zero, two, two. At the very moment, they began to sing and give praise. You know what singing and giving praise to the Lord does? It's not just a song. That's why I started to say, even just during worship today, it was a symbol that this battle, I truly mean it. It's not just a statement anymore. Because now here's action. It was, a, it, was a, it was worship, you know, like on a Sunday morning like us worshiping, and yet they're on the battlefields. You realize that this worship was action. This was a life that worshiped him. This was a separated that we truly believe. You better believe that it was the word of the Lord when you're standing against an, an impossible force and you just take some time to worship God first. You better believe that it was the Lord who spoke that word through Jehaziel, or whatever his name was. And it said, at that very moment, they began to sing and praise. The Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, to, and Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves. The enemy just started doing an old infighting. And come on, I'm going to believe this politically. This is not a political sermon, but this is a part of it. Let the enemy just fight with themselves. You stay out of it. You just keep worshiping God right now. We're going to stay humble. We're going to trust God. You can't fight with them. Are you crazy? You can't fight with crazy. You got to worship God. We're just going to worship God. We're going to believe that God's going to do it, right? Amen. And it says that they killed each other. And it says every one of them, verse 23. And after that, the, then the, the, they destroyed this other army. And they all began attacking each other. In verse 20, the rest of 23. In verse 24, they arrived to see not a single one of the enemy had escaped. Amen. Wow. I don't know. If you're not encouraged by that, then I believe the Lord's going to bring the fullness of it today because I'm incredibly encouraged. I think it's a spiritual thing. He's going to deposit it in your heart. I know you are in hearing it as well, but there's a deeper realm. There's like the Lord is just incredibly gracious and merciful to us. He's so powerful. He's so wonderful, but he loves when his people begin to humble themselves and pray. We've done it many times, and we've seen him move many times, and then it's easy to get discouraged, get distracted. We need to come back into that place and just seek his face and say, yes, Lord, you're going to do it and praise him and give him glory and honor and believe that he's going to do it. Amen. So, Lord, we just make that a prayer. Thank you, Jesus. You're going to do it. It's your battle. It's not ours. Thank you, Lord. This is your battle. Thank you, Lord. Over this state and over this nation, Lord, if these heathens that have tried to control us and bring in their agendas that are opposite of your word. Lord, we pray for them. Your word says bless them and not curse them. Lord, we pray for your blessing over them and, and as they're cursing us. Lord, we pray you bless them. Give them revelation. Give them light. But I thank you, Lord Jesus, that they will not. We believe they will not control our lives any longer. We believe in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord God, that you are going to bring a miracle. You're going to bring an end, Lord. You expose it. You do it. We're not going to try to do it. We're just going to seek you and trust you no matter what. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you.